Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Fit Body Podcast. I'm your host, Elle, and today I'm recording an intro to the interview that I just completed with Dr. Dominic Marais. He and I just talked for over an hour and a half, plus some after I hit stop the recording, and I am so excited to bring you his interview today. He is an assistant professor of sports management at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas, and he has... 10 plus years of education and experience behind him for these past few years that he's been working as an assistant professor. He is a strength and conditioning coach that works with in-person and online clients for both powerlifting and strongman. And not only does he have his master's degree in sports administration from Eastern Illinois, he also has his PhD in exercise history. He studied physical culture and sports studies at the University of Texas under Jan and Terry Todd. He has worked with some of the biggest people in the sports industry, in the strength and conditioning industry. And he has so much to offer you all in terms of just understanding the 18th century, the 19th century, where sports and training have come from, all the way to discussing things about social media today. He is a researcher. He is putting on lots of different studies. He is headed to conferences. He is traveling the world to talk to people and to educate people. And he is truly a master of his field. He's a very positive and very excitable person. He has a lot of passion for what he does. And I enjoy talking to him so much. He's got this hint of psychology in everything that he says. And you all know that that's my passion. So it was just an incredible interview. So I really hope that you all enjoy it. And without further ado, here's Dominic. Hey, Dominic. So today I get the opportunity to interview you and I am so excited. We have been in touch for the past year, probably even more so. uh, And now I finally get to do the interviewing. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. The tables have turned. Yes, they have turned. And the first time that you and I spoke, I was like, this guy is funny. Like, not only is he brilliant, he's also very funny. So I'm really excited today uh, to dive into some of your expertise because you have a wealth of knowledge in strength and conditioning, in sports history and physical culture. And this is a aspect that our listeners don't always get on our podcast. We have primarily a female-based listener group and not not as much information out there on strength and conditioning. So we're really going to talk about that, fill their heads with knowledge, and hopefully get a, a lot out of it. I know that they will. Sweet. I'm amped. Perfect. So why don't you just tell me a little bit about what you're doing currently, and then we'll work a little bit backwards through all of your schooling and kind of what led you to where you are today. Sure. So right now I live in San Antonio, Texas. I am an assistant professor of sport management at Trinity University here, and it's a small liberal arts institution. And so I've been here for four years now. I... I mean, what do I do? So I teach classes (laughs) like sport management, sport history, sport sociology. Uh, We just team taught a one hour class that was just extremely enlightening and wonderful and just, yeah, it was amazing. It was called hip hop innovation and sport. And I was given the go to create a coaching class starting in fall 2020. So we really look like for those that are in uh, the 
academia in regard to the the sport fields um it's often like sports studies which is usually the softer sides of things like history and sociology and i don't mean softer in a negative connotation i mean more humanities and then the other side of like sport management businessy types of things but at trinity my boss his name is jacob tingle he is just absolutely the man and so we're able to look at sport from so many different angles unfortunately unless I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you can do this in other places, but um, it's. I think it's pretty rare that you have those really like fitness-based classes or physical culture history classes, unless you know you're at the University of Texas. But I mean, shoot, I'm very, very happy with what I'm doing, and my side hustle is still, you know, strength coaching and doing that stuff. But overall, I just, I just try to be a mentor to a lot of people. I tell my students, I tell my personal training clients, and everyone, it's like, look, I'm just here to help you shine your light. Like, I just want. Everything that I do is ultimately ultimately a lens through which I can try to help people find their own worth. And that like, I feel like that's why I'm here right now. So maybe that'll change later, but right in here right now, like that's why I'm here on this earth. So it's been a good ride. That's amazing. And that's, but that's gotta be in your blood. You know, you can't, it's really difficult for someone to create that passion for helping people and watching people grow. It's something that I think develops as you go and you, you probably will always be that way. I hope so. I mean, it's been really, really fun. It's, I'll tell you what, it's emotionally exhausting. I am right there with you. And that's the thing, though, is that I know from, you know, listening to you and I've heard you do other podcasts. I've talked to you before when we did our interview uh, last year. And you do have that hint of that psychological coaching as just as much as you do the facts, you know, the history and the, you know, all the science behind it, you do definitely create that relationship with your clients that is like on that next level. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I tell my students, I tell everyone, I was like, business is about people. I'm like, hey, y'all watch The Office. Like Michael Scott said, business is about people. Life is about people. <laughs> I feel like even, I mean, literally like the the chair that I'm sitting on or that you're sitting on, like, it's a sure it's made of whatever it's made of, but we wouldn't call it a chair without the people. Right. And so like that to me is just like the smallest example of how everything is life is given meaning by people. And as such, I just believe everything's socially constructed and that's, that's how I choose to live my life. And so, you know, I mean, I, I could go down that road for a while, yeah. but I think that's yeah. okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. So okay. So right now you're an assistant professor in San Antonio. So you also mm-hmm. so you have your master's in what what was that in sports administration? Yeah. So I got that from Eastern Illinois University. So. Yeah, I'll kind of like give you my story a little bit. So I'm from a small town in Texas. It's called Dayton, Texas, near Houston. And, you know, like did the football thing from seventh football and all the other sports that supported that from like seventh grade throughout was just really good at school and like put myself that way and had wonderful support from my parents and just doing a lot of that and improving and getting better and just dedicated myself to football. And then when I went to college, I was fortunate enough to be admitted to Vanderbilt. And then when I went there, I was like, wait, you can like, you can like, there's a possibility of walking on here. Like I had no idea what scouting was. I got one call like from Dartmouth and they said I was fast. And I was just like, I think you have the wrong person. (laughs) So, you know, it was just really, really cool that I had that opportunity. So, you know, played football there. And then, I mean, it being an SEC school, it being football, strength and conditioning, even though we had been lifting weights since seventh grade, like it really, really bit me there. And I thought, okay, that's going to be my passion. Eventually I was a strength and conditioning coach at Eastern, Eastern Illinois University. I was a graduate assistant there and that's why I went. 
I, I realized very soon after that I didn't want to pursue that as a career. And luckily, one of my professors there said, hey, you can go study strength at the University of Texas. And so I was, I was just like, what? Like, first of all, I, didn't, I hadn't really even thought about a PhD. I didn't even know what that entailed necessarily. And then to say that you can go study strength, I was like, like what are you talking about, dude? So he kind of, he told me that once. And then it was honestly about two weeks later, he gave me this metaphorical kick in the butt. So he's, he's, he's Scottish, but he'd lived in New Zealand for a while too. So he had this interesting accent. And he's like, I really don't think that you paid attention attention to me. And so I'm just like, all right, all right, all right, all right, I'll get on it. And so um, I did that, like studied for the GRE, contacted uh, eventually my advisor, Dr. Jan Todd, you know, Guinness Book of World Records at one point in time, strongest woman in the world. And so like my score was good enough that they had to pay attention to me and I got in and then did my, did my PhD, wrote my diss and got my big boy job, the same job that I'm at now. So it's been, it's been a ride. Okay. So so (laughs) that's been been about four, four years that you, so right after you did your dissertation, this you've been at you're at Trinity University. Yeah, yeah. It was literally like I defended my my dissertation, and honestly, like three weeks later, I was starting a job. It was wow. Yeah, it was nasty. It was crazy. I was like, we well, got to get out of here. <laughs> well, good for you, and that's that's incredible. So that's a lot of schooling. How long how long were you in school then, from oh, your undergrad so- to? Yeah, so four years of undergrad, a year off, trying to. I worked for Edward Jones for six months, and then worked the front desk at a gym. And yeah. Decided that I wanted to be a strength coach, and then two years at Eastern Illinois, and then four and a half more for my PhD. So at, at University yeah, of Texas. Yeah, so ten and a half years of school. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you have yeah. you have such a, a wealth of knowledge in in so many different aspects of the history and then all the way leading up to present day. And I think that's probably also why you work so well with people, especially your students. And then when you do your coaching one-on-one, because you have had experience with all the different avenues. So I would I would actually like to talk a little bit about physical culture and a little bit about the history because sure. I know that that is one of your you know main specialties and you know way more history than I do. So but one of my main questions are what are the major improvements in physical culture from however back you know how far back do you were you studying it back like 1700s or yeah well so it's interesting my I guess specialization was more so I've written some papers on like Eugene Sandow who was the late 1800s I wrote about Paul Anderson who was a very very strong southern boy and he was lifting in the 1950s and then my dissertation spanned from like 1930 until 1964 so it really is that like late 18th century to the mid to late 19th century to the mid to late 20th century. And so, you know, even in the 1700s, like people weren't really even using dumbbells that much. I mean, they had dumbbells, but they weren't, and those actually came, and I think Jan wrote about this, but you know, those literally came from bells that they had taken the little clinker out of. So they were dumb, right? They weren't making a sound. But even like there's this book called The Mercurialis that was written by this, like, I, I think his name was Galen, and he, I might be wrong about that one because that's a little bit outside of my expertise, but I mean, it's for like the 1500s. Mm-hmm. And that, that really, like, we got a lot of ideas about what 
you know, people like the Greeks and Romans were even doing way back when. And, you know, they were using they were using things like when they would do long jumps, right, like using this type of weight that they would throw down to help right. propel themselves more. So, I mean, that's like it gets very, very cursory way back when. But from my perspective, I mean, so right. Father of modern bodybuilding, Eugene Sandow, he was I mean, he popularized or helped to popularize weights. That was his body was so cut up, right? Like he was uh, his physique was so incredible and he would stand on stage. And the biggest part of him is at the time it was a Victorian era values. So people like, you know, showing an ankle, a woman showing an ankle, right? That was a big deal. You didn't do that. And this dude is on stage in like, a you know, more or less a speedo, right? And what he did was ultimately he like put white powder on himself. He made himself look like Greek and Roman statuary. And that was really one of the biggest cultural shifts that he helped to do was show that like the body can be like a beautiful thing. It can be something that people look at as more than just an erotic type of thing. And so people started to appreciate it a lot more. So that was, so, I mean, but even him, right. I'm kind of going off on a tangent. I mean, he was using, he was telling people that, because of like shipping prices, they were so high back then. He would, through his magazine, say, "Okay, you have you have to lift with like light weights, right?" And that's what he popularized. Whereas, yo, he wasn't he didn't get that body with light weights, with right? Light like, I mean, shit, we know that now, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking like five pound dumbbells and like focus. He made this dumbbell where you would squeeze it, and there were springs. And if you like lost your focus and let go slightly, it would ring to alert uh-huh. you to keep the focus on, which, you know, in a lot of ways, like, w- you know, what's the best exercise? It's the exercise that you're doing. But, right. you know, from that perspective, still, like, I mean, he got he got strong by like lifting heavy weights over and over and over again. That wasn't something that he popularized. So to really like answer your question, like how far have we come? It's super interesting because it's extremely cyclical. And the way that fads have come about is like we have basically become a little bit more. It's almost like two steps forward, one step back. Like we know, okay, now heavy weights. Okay, now we've we've demystified this idea of a muscle bound athlete. And like just because you have a bigger heart, that means it's hypertrophied. That's totally fine. But then at the same time, because of trends and entrepreneurs and folks trying to popularize things and being in a capitalistic system, marketing comes into play. So just as we know now, like the shiniest thing out there is going to make people money. So it's like this, it's really this kind of like back and forth between, okay, we start seeing some really good stuff, cool. And then these fads start coming about as well. People are believing this stuff that maybe isn't so true. And then like we just realize just like a lot of things in life, like, wait a second, maybe, maybe carbs aren't so bad, right? right? Like, so it really is like that cyclical type of we get close and then we take a step back. We get a little bit closer and then take a step back. So that to me is more like, I don't know, that's like the, a broader answer to your actual No, but, it, but it's, that's interesting too. Cause didn't Sandow, wasn't he saying things like, you know, you can't eat three hours before bedtime. Like some of these things that we still mm-hmm. hear to this day where yeah. we are like, but that's ridiculous. And what we have to understand is that there obviously are many individuals and what works for one person may not work for the other, but we can't put it under this umbrella saying it's going to work for everybody. Exactly. And that, and you can see that it's just like insert, like 
insert belief here and the <laughs> same like framework that you've just provided was happening back then too. It's just very, yeah. very interesting. Like people would go, oh, there's a guy last name Graham who helped to forget his first name, but he oh, had no. like these sanitariums or like these places that people would go, these health places basically. And he helped to popularize the Graham cracker. But you know, it's, yeah. he's like, people like him are preaching vegetarianism and this and this and that. And so like, you know, Bernard McFadden who created Physical Culture Magazine, he's, pre- you know, they're preaching certain ways of eating and, and all, I mean, yeah, like insert, not urban, not urban belief, but what's like a, like wives tale or, you know, something like yes. that, like insert something there. And like, you can find plenty of those throughout all those pamphlets and magazines and stuff. It's just, it's super interesting. And it helps me to think differently about like the present day and to co- like inform my own life. If right. that makes sense. Thankfully, right. well, it's, been, it's been very interesting. Right. Well, that's the thing is that I think the more information education you have on these topics, it really does help you to stop and think every single day because not everybody is so aware. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people are, you know, especially in this culture that we live in where we're influxed by information all over the place, but by understanding Mm. that this whole process is cyclical, you're able to be like, whoa, okay, this is what I read and this is what I'm going to stop and I'm going to make decisions for myself about it and understand that it could go either way and it's up to me to make my own decisions. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, yes. Critical thinking is so like it's it's crazy. It's so rare, it seems. It is. And it's and that's one thing that I think about a lot. And especially while I'm in school and you're, you know, you're a professor, so I'm taking courses online. And I think to myself, we don't really even know what our thoughts are. We don't even know how to mm. control our understanding. And it makes us it doesn't make us as good of students as we could be if Mm. we're not aware of what our thinking is. And so I'm sure that you teach a little bit of that. Like you teach that self-awareness in your courses as well. Like reflection is something that we do often. Like there's this class that we teach and granted this idea came, this idea came from my boss, but there's this thing called the disc profile. And we do this in my sport management class. So the disc profile is kind of like a Myers-Briggs. It's a behavioral profile. And it's based on this idea that say in your natural state, when you're just out with friends, you behave a certain way. In the work state or your adapted state, you act a different way. And so we get this guy come in named Bo Hansen. He Skypes in. He's this like four-time Olympian from Mm -hmm. Australia. And he helped create this for athletes and for sport management folks. And so all the students take it. And now they understand like, am I a high D? Am I very dominating? Am I directly to the point? You know, do I kind of like not do the people thing that much? And I get straight to the point. Am I mm-hmm. an I do? I, am I the type of person that goes to a meeting and needs to talk and, you know, shoot the bull for like five minutes before really mm-hmm. getting to work? Am I a C? Am I the type of person who needs to take a little bit more time to think about things and is very meticulous about stuff? Or am I an S someone who kind of like sits back is, you know, analytical to a degree, but also like very supportive of others? Or am I a mix of all these? So they do that at the beginning of the semester and then they have the semester long project. Ultimately, they're practicing that self-awareness throughout with multiple times for reflection. It's just, it's honestly, it's it's a transformative class. And so I try to model, I mean, shit, I try to model my life by that, right? I try to help others reflect and stuff too. So yeah, reflection is just, I mean, it's a must. It's a must, especially like you said, in an age where it's so hard to do that, because we're inundated with information and we almost seem like we have to like fight for time to ourselves. We do. It's a, it's a process. And that I, I love that that's what you teach or you do during that course that you have, because 
without that, you may show up and you may not even know how to function. And so that, mm. that awareness piece is really everything. And, and then it's the mindfulness, it's that mindfulness practice. And it's even, you know, stepping into meditation. It's, it's all of <sighs> those things. Yeah. Okay. We, let's talk a little bit about meditation. <laughs> yeah. Let's. So, t- so tell me your experience with it, because I know that you do quite a bit of this self-reflection and this meditation. And we talked a little bit about it, but I really think my listeners would appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting. I encountered it for the first time when I was getting my master's degree. So the, the individual teaching the class, his name is Brad Walker. So he eventually moved on to, he was a sports psychologist, is a sports psychologist, wow. and he is now at Columbia and he is a, he, he's like the assistant director of championship performance there. So basically he's their sports psych and runs that department. And so he sh- did this stress management class. Like, honestly, like the fact that you could take a class called stress management yeah. like blows my mind, but either way we did it. And so we led a mindful meditation session in class that day and it was it was one of those things where, and this is going to sound super egotistical, but you know, you're interviewing me, so I'm going to talk about myself. So, <laughs> Do it. like, it was one of those things where, you know, as as he kind of like talks to the class about it, he's like, "So why, like, why did that work?" And it, and it was like, well, because you know, the voice that I was using was very much like, "Okay, take a breath," and slowly, you know what I'm saying, like, and changing it all, and really trying to like meet those people where they are, or trying to like help get them to meet me there, and not be as you know energetic and effervescent as I am now, but either way. So that was the first time. And I really didn't do much of it then. However, it's really been in the last couple of years that I've started to think about it. And really in the last few months, um, especially like there's been a lot of life changes going on in which I've really had to think about who I am, what I want out of life, et cetera, because I've just been in that attitude of like push, push, push more, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of broken me. And so now I'm really like the pendulum was one way and it has swung all the way to the end. It might come back and balance it a little bit. I know that like, even that's like the smallest stuff for me when I'm meditating, all I'm trying to do is focus focus on my breath. What it feels like going through my nose, what it sounds like even, what it feels like when my stomach inflates, when I can feel my chest rise, like the smallest, just being like mindful of everything that's going on. Not everything necessarily, but being so, so in tune with that one thing, right? So like I have chosen where to put my attention and that like, if you can control, like my therapist said, your body's fine, but your mind is obese because you can't stop it. And I'm just like, you're fucking right. I can't. So it was just that idea of like, okay, like to be able to acknowledge a thought, like set it aside, let it like put it on a leaf, let it float down a river, whatever that may be, like whatever works in order to get there in order to ultimately like be in touch with yourself and not let those outside factors influence like what is going on inside of you like that. I mean, Hey, like that's meditation. That's the key, but that's so hard that it's so hard for me to do. So for me, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm super huge on process, but at the same time, it's like, look, the fact that I spent 10 minutes in there, like trying, like intentionally trying to do that is going to get me closer. So it's like, boom, check the box, but also remember it's part of the process. And you may like, you may never get there. And like, 
trying to think of yourself as like this this monk that's going to like raise out of his body and stuff like no 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 no. like just go deeper just go deeper in you don't have to reach anything you just go deeper in and that has helped me kind of conceptualize and really even get away from that same push 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 more more attitude that i was transposing onto meditation itself like come on dog like chill chill well a lot of people yeah a lot of people think that this whole meditation process has to be doing a lot, thinking a lot. It's not even necessarily saying things that you're grateful for or addressing problems during meditation. The point of it is to be still. Mm. The point of it is to shut off Mm. and and do things like watch the leaf fall to the ground and float down the river or, you know, connect with your breathing. And so those are the things that when you really actually try, even if it's just for like two straight minutes of just watching your breath to start, you will end up feeling after the fact that you have meditated, like this huge weight has been lifted and you're like, whoa, I didn't even do anything, but just be. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of it. Scary as shit to some people, especially me too. So it's crazy. When you have an obese brain. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When when your brain, when your brain needs a workout, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like the brain needs a little workout, but it's like the brain needs to do yoga and not like strong. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like we'll set the logs aside. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Put it down. Do some stretching. Like that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. um, but so speaking of strongman and powerlifting, so you said that while you were training in mostly college, was it for um, you were doing mostly the weight training in college or did that start in high school? Oh, um, that started. Yo, we were lifting in seventh grade. Like, no way. I can remember okay. my first bench press was 100 pounds. Like that was my match. And, <laughs> and even then, you know, like the coaches were like, wow, that's not much. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. It's, it's yeah, it's the bar and a couple, a couple of weights yeah, on there. So, but yeah, since seventh grade, and you know, it was, I mean, in Texas high school football, like it's an institution, you know. Oh, I mean, it is, yeah. it's crazy. And so that, like, the more the, the older I get, and the more I see other things, the more I real, I'm realizing more and more how much that type of stuff has shaped me for better and for worse in some ways, or, you know, for worse and for better. Like, like we talk in our our classes, like sport can be good, sport can be bad. And so just like anything, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. And so there's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to still like peel back and shed a little bit, but at the same time, like I'm where I am. And I think I'm a, a I mean, I'm a fairly successful individual and I think like a lot of that is because of all those like sports types of things, you know, that, you know, the hard work, discipline, blah, 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 the stuff that we hear always about sport. Right, right. Well, that's where you, you do say that you are a little bit go, go, go. And especially 10 years of schooling, being where you are today, which is, it's so, it's, I love seeing and hearing somebody that is four years into a job somewhere after 10 years of schooling and you still have that same fire and passion for it. And that doesn't always happen, uh, especially when someone dives into something. But what you've done is you've really paved from what interests you in the beginning, you know, maybe starting in seventh grade where you were like, wow, this is something that's really powerful to me. I'm going to take it into every direction. And you've worked with some amazing people and you've studied underneath some amazing people. So it probably has just opened up more and more doors for you. Yeah, it has. It's crazy. Like, that's some of the advice that I give my students. And granted, like, look, like I'm a privileged dude. I'm white or I mean, you know, people don't know exactly what I am sometimes. Yeah. Get a bit, like, <laughs> like, my, like the worst thing that I get is like the quote random checks at the airport. Like that's the worst off I ever get. So like, you know, I'm, I'm privileged. You have in a, lot a mysterious of 
weird about you know so it's kind of it's kind of tough and it's and it's big right now it needs a trim but i'm like because i'm going to colorado like i'm i'm i gotta i gotta do that vibe and then i'll come back and trim it but but yeah, yeah so you like, gotta keep it yeah exactly so it, it will never like i'm it may never come off like well i'm just gonna put that out there but it, it can look a little bit better but so it's just it's one of those things like yeah so i'm a very privileged dude to just like have to just acknowledge that and you know i've had a lot of things like a lot of support like i flourish because my garden is fertile and so you know there's so many people that have helped me along the way but one of the things that i like to tell my students is that like for me like i just i really did just like follow my passions you know i mean i i was just super good at school and i kept doing well at school and that success bred opportunity and then i can remember a talk that i had with my advisor my first i mean really like i think before i even entered U Texas, she said, I'm not sure sport history or this physical culture and sports studies degree may be the, the best for you because it's not as marketable. It may be worth you getting a sport management degree. And I told her, I was like, look, like, you know, I, I was a strength coach and my original thought was to study like, you know, the industry of strength coaching. And I didn't do that in my dissertation, but that's kind of what I'm doing a little bit more now. But it was just like me following that passion and just it ultimately like it worked out because I kind of balled out on some of the things that I did, you know what I'm saying? And so it was just like, and that's what I tell the students, like just jump in and like, I mean, granted I'm the, I, I've, I'm sure I've surely doubted a lot of things along the way, but like jump in and just go all out. And the plan that you have now, like you're thinking five years ahead, that's fine. But yo, you might not be here tomorrow. I might not be here tomorrow. So make sure that what you're doing right now, like you're in it because where else are you going to be? So that's kind of like that general like yeah that's where maybe a big conversation starts with some students or even like my personal or literally anyone who will talk to me <laughs> so yeah yeah i know i'm sure i'm sure anybody that's listening to this right now is like wow i really needed to hear that i'm gonna go out there and start today and do the things that i'm passionate about because we don't always get those opportunities and <sighs> and i you know it's interesting that you said that you are privileged and i almost feel the same way with what i do is that what I do kind of fell into my lap because of my passion. And I wouldn't be here interviewing you today and, you know, putting it out here on the podcast if I wasn't willing to open up and accept the different directions that I could have gone. Mm. And a lot of people sometimes are scared of that. And but when you really do have a passion, it it doesn't matter. Like when, when you talk to somebody who has passion about something, it doesn't even matter what their passion is. When you see that, you're inspired. Yeah. So it does, you don't have to always agree with somebody. You don't have to always be in the same field as somebody else, but that passion really can light you up. Yes. Yes. I feel that. I feel, and it's like being open to it, right? And not being like, oh, because yo, honestly, like I have those reactions too. Like I'm super happy for people. And I get in this, I get in this in my head, right? Where I see someone doing something great and I'm just like, yo, man, that's so tight. And then I'm just like, man, I wish I could do that shit. And then I start feeling negative a little bit and I'm like, bro, like chill. But then I, and then <laughs> I scroll Instagram and I read that, like one of those quotes where it's like, you know, like haters or people who criticize, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, wait a second. I was just criticizing something someone, but I was like, but I was super positive to them. And I'm like, okay, well let my actions define who I am. Not necessarily my thoughts because, because that's the thing. Like I'll go down a rabbit hole. I'll think so much because my mind is obese, right? Like I'll go down that rabbit hole and just start beating myself up. And all I've done is sat there for like five minutes. And I was like, dude, you didn't do anything good or bad. You've just been thinking. So like, give yourself a break for a second. So that like that type of stuff is like stuff that I'm kind of just like, not necessarily fighting, because I think that fighting is still kind of like negative, but just like, okay, boom, that's a feeling, accept it, cool, 
but go like do, go do good. Like you didn't hurt anyone. Go, go do, do good. You know? It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and that's what a lot of people they run into that problem is that they they will have ideas for themselves and then they get into this negative self talk where they think, well, they can never do that or hey, somebody's already doing that and they're doing great at it and they feel like they have to keep up. And I feel like anybody who is a bit of an entrepreneur or they are just you know, interested in something and they're trying to get involved in something, they feel held back because somebody else is already doing it. But every single, every single invention, every single product that we have out there, someone has created when there's a bunch of them, someone else said, Hey, I can do this, but I can do this a little bit differently. I can do this a little bit better. So there is an every opportunity. There's not just one person that could be an expert in something. And so for you, you have been around people that have, you know, even more knowledge than you. And you don't say, oh, well, they're better than me. There's no way I'll ever reach that. You say, how can I learn from you? Yes. How can I soak up every single thing that you say? Yes. I mean, like, yeah, you said it. Like, that's exactly what I try yeah. to do. Yeah. And, of, it, and it I shows and it's cool. Yeah. It's like one of those things I was watching, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon the other day, and <laughs> it was on Netflix. And so awesome. what, what did he say? It was, I think it was, was the actor... I don't know what, I don't know what the actor's name was, but he was, he was the, the, like the master. Right. And, you know, obviously like he's a badass, he's doing his thing. And in one of the lines, he's like, I know nothing. And I was just like, what? Like, what? Like a, like, I don't, I don't know anyone. Like, I don't know anyone in the United States that would ever say something like that, but I do like just that attitude of like constantly, understanding that you can, you know, there's that, that square, like, I know what I know, what, and then ultimately goes down to like, I, I know what I don't know. And I don't know what I don't know. Right. And to just be aware that those exist, I think is half the battle. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think that it, it makes me think about sometimes, sometimes I think, is it, is it bad that I know so much because every time and I don't I don't know everything and that's why you open yourself up and you say okay well what can I learn from but when you know so when you know little you're almost more inclined to learn more so when you start to gain more and more knowledge of things you do start to believe okay like maybe I do know everything and we can't be in that mindset we have to be we have to be like nope I don't know anything and you have to kind of own that and be like it's okay that I don't know these things and that's what allows people to ask questions and that's what gets them out of their bubble that they're in to try new things being like it's okay that I don't know anything about this the whole purpose of it is so I can learn and then t- take it wherever wherever that you want to go absolutely yeah so yeah so we I don't know if we even got to this the strength coaching and your power lifting and oh, yeah, um, and strongman <laughs> career no that's okay but I do want to know a little bit about like what some of your accomplishments are in both powerlifting and strongman. Did you do them simultaneously or was it like it was, you know, time to train for powerlifting and then you moved on to strongman no, yeah, or how so did that look? So I'll, I mean, I'll be totally honest with you. Like I've not accomplished like much in regards to like accolades or anything from that standpoint, but the things that I did do, you know, I, I mean, I was powerlifting. We had powerlifting in high school, which was really, really cool that we had that. I would, like after high school, I would never wear a suit again though. I'll tell you that. But then when I, I would, I did a couple meets 
powerlifting meets when I was a strength and conditioning coach at Eastern Illinois University. And then I was still in it when I was at the U at U Texas, but I was focused more on, you know, just like just training because school was going on. And so and your PhD, right? That whole thing. And then <laughs> and so I met I met Benjamin Pollock. So like plug him, like PH Deadlift on Instagram. And that dude's just like, you know, I mean, at one point in time, I mean, he's like a 0.01% type of person, right? Like he's a, the elite right. of the elite. And so he, we met, like he came to do the same program or to the same program at U Texas. And he actually introduced me to Strongman. And so that was like, to me, when I think back about it, that reminds me how intimidating the gym can be for those non-initiated because I was even in the gym studying that shit. And I was intimidated to go try do something new like Strongman. I needed someone else to help me. And so that was like, boom, like eye opening. I had just realized that a few, like a month ago. So, <laughs> and so it was crazy, but either way, it's so like, he showed me the ropes there and I did a couple meets. I eventually qualified for nationals, I think in 2017 for, right. I did see a post of that. Yeah. And then yeah. because I wasn't paying attention to my body and I was being hypocritical, I eventually got a bulging disc in my neck. And so since then, I've been just dealing with that and trying to like, that was one of the things like uh, I, when I said that I broke earlier, like that was one of the things I broke physically too. And that was like, I had a panic attack when I realized that it wasn't just some muscle thing that I could use a lacrosse ball to get out. Like this was something that was going to affect me perhaps for the rest of my life. And so like I had, a, I had a panic attack. Like I literally like thought I was going to have to call an ambulance and stuff. First time I ever had a panic attack. It really, cause that was my identity, right? Like the same thing I told my students, right. I was like, yo, if you like, if you put all your identity into playing sports and like, there's nothing else, well, eventually you're like, like on South Park, or you're going to have a bad time. So like I was, I was having a bad, I was having a very bad time. So, yeah. so that's what happened there. But since then I've been on this, like, I just want to focus on what I can control. Like try to use that same mantra that I use for a lot of things and focus on my own body. Like I want to be able to move my body through space in every single way possible without having to think about what I'm about to do before I bend down and pick something up. So I'm not in pain. Right. Like that's like, that's no, like at 33 years old. Nah, like I'm not trying, like I'd love, I'd love to live to 80. Right. Like, and what is that? 67 years? No, I don't know. Like a I don't do I think 57 years, right? For like <laughs> that PhD wasn't in math. So, so yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm mind. saying? Like 57 years of pain, like I'm not about that life. So I'm really, really, really trying to focus on like getting back to the basics. Like I'm 195 right now. That is crazy. Like, oh, that is okay. crazy. Like that is, I mean, granted, yeah. like I'm, I'm relatively lean, so I'll take it. But like, I don't know. Where do you typically sit? So I was sitting at like, like 205, 210, something like okay. that. So it's on, more than anything, it's just been interesting. Like, I don't like, I don't eat that much anymore either. I mean, trust, like when it's time to eat, like when I go out, like, you know, your boy can put down some food, but you know, even then it's just like, okay, I'll do my like rice and ground beef and chicken. We're, we're in some veggies. We're good. Yeah. So, yeah. But it does make a difference when you're not training as intensely and you're not, you know, because when you are training for whether the purpose is for powerlifting, strongman, whether it's just strictly bodybuilding, when you are in that headspace and you're training specifically for that, translate, o- translate o- over to your nutrition, your sleep, your activities that you do every day. So I can see why it would be a little bit more challenging to keep up with some of those things when you feel like a little piece of you is missing with, with the training aspect. Yeah. It's been crazy. And and thankfully, you know, I'm working with someone who's really been helping me out. And literally within the past couple of weeks, I finally 
started to feel like I'm training again. And it has been like, Oh my God, like, Oh my God. I, I literally called him. I had to call him and like had tears in my eyes because I was just like, dude, like I feel like I'm training again. It was just, ah, oh, it felt so good. So it was a, it was a nice way because, and again, that was part of that. I like things that I've been realizing and reflecting on things. Like I, it, it really wasn't until then and in the last few months that I realized like, oh my gosh, like the things that we were doing even in high school and junior high and then college, like I, I like talk about imposter syndrome, right? Like I was brushing that yeah. stuff off. Like I, like I got a scholarship at, like from an SEC school, right? And I was upset because I never got on the field and played. And, and what I did was right. the same thing I told my students not to do. Like just because you have a loss – doesn't discount or doesn't make any less like the effort or the energy or the work that you put in to get there or every like ounce of like pure heart, soul and tears and everything that you put into that on that game or whatever. Right. Like it doesn't take away anything from that. And I was doing the same thing with myself in my life. Right. So like, wh- like yeah. that is not tight. Like that, like that is one way to put it. This is extremely the opposite. Yes, the opposite. Super <laughs> loose. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really interesting because that is something that I, personally have dealt with Mm. through bodybuilding and that a lot of my clients and a lot of people listening to this have dealt with, whether it is in sports or it is in bodybuilding, it's that they're at the end of the day, you either you play a game or you step up on a platform Mm -hmm. or you step up on a stage and it doesn't matter technically, but at the end of the day, whether what the score is, whether what the placement is, all the work that you put in, it just matters what you did to perform that day. And people hold that and they they see it as a loss if it doesn't go as planned. But they forget about the, you know, the days, the weeks, the months, the years of training, the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into it all to fall on this one day. Yeah. And to have that loss working through it is you almost feel like what was I even doing yep. this whole time? Yep. Like it was like you literally yeah. wasted your life. Like, come on. Right. No way. No way. Right. But it's crazy. Good. It's crazy to think that way, but it's so hard to get out of it. So, so what is your advice to someone who has gone through an, a loss or like an injury of, of the, the type that you have gone through where you feel like you can't even be yourself anymore, where you feel like you've lost your identity uh. because you did say that, that broke you and you do seem to be doing better now, especially, especially being able to say, you know, I'm finally getting back to that training. But during that whole process, there's probably a lot of ups and downs. So how, how would you say to get through it? And how did you personally do it? I think a lot of it comes down to like ask, asking yourself, like, what is my why? You know, like finding, finding your why. And honestly, like you ask, you ask why, but then you need to ask it like six or seven more times. <laughs> to really and and like give yourself some time and some space to feel that through because like you may ask yourself why twice and you're like oh okay because you're scared to ask it again you know because i mean that's mm-hmm. that same shit happened to me but it really is like finding that why and then realizing that and i'm like dropping all these little quips but realizing that perfect is the enemy of good in a lot of ways i would even honestly like some that i still deal with like even if I'm going throughout the day and maybe I had a great workout yesterday and my neck didn't really hurt that much. Cool. Awesome. I wake up in the morning and now my neck's hurting. And now what I'm trying to do is like, I'm already, I'm waking up stressed out. Like I'm waking up in a what 
sympathetic or I don't know which one is which, but you know what I'm talking about. Like the, already in that like <laughs> I do. flight mode where you're like, you're, you're like my, my pulse is elevated. I'm hotter than I should be, whatever. Like I'm already, I'm feeling like shit, my cortisol, who knows where it is. And so then I'm like, that anxiety. yeah, right. And so I'm just like, just because, okay, my next, my next hurt. Well, no shit, dude. It took you a good, what, <laughs> how long you've been training to ultimately get that bulging disc. It's not going to happen overnight. So you need to give yourself some space and you need to realize, look, it's going to hurt. Yo, it's going to hurt. Just like training would hurt too sometimes, but you're pushing through it. Well, now like this is the hurt that you're trying to get away from, but it's still yeah. going to hurt. So give yourself some patience and understand, okay, is this bad day better than my last bad day? And if so, that's progress. So like those are just small little things that like, I mean, just like another thing, like I tell people meet, meet others where they are, like meet yourself where you are too, you know, because sometimes we like treat ourselves like we're robots and we're these machines and like all these cliches are, are real. Like you can't burn a candle at both ends. That's the truth. So. You, right. Right. And it, it really is that. Thank you for sharing that because those are the little pieces and it goes right back to what, when we talked about the mindfulness and the awareness, it's, we, we then put our self-worth on what we have accomplished in the past. And if we can no longer do it, we're like, okay, what's the point? But then we get to this, we have to get to this position where, okay, yeah, you've worked so hard to train and accomplish all the things that you've accomplished. Now you've had a bump in the road and now you have to put that same work ethic and that same focus into getting better, into healing. Uh, and a lot of people neglect that aspect of it. They're like, oh, well, I'm out of commission. And like, then my nutrition goes out the window and then my training goes out the window. And then I turn into somebody that doesn't like who they are because you're not, you don't have that focus. Mm, yo, and that's true. And, and here's, and here's a thing like that to me, when you, when you ended it on that of like, you don't like who you are to me, I think it's also extremely important. And I feel like I see that in a lot of people who like, I mean, honestly, like even myself, like I, I, I don't yeah. like myself. And that to my, to me is also part of it, is like, like part of that why is like, why are you continuing to push yourself to the limit every single day? And why is it that you feel like you have to constantly improve? Because if you feel like you have to constantly improve because you don't like yourself, well, if you're going to be on your deathbed, still trying to constantly improve and you're going to like, are you going to pass away thinking that you were never enough? That also sounds not tight, not a not a good time. You know what I'm saying? So like that's, I mean, you hit something really hard on the head. And I think it's a question that like, it really is one of those things that part of that process that has to be constantly asked, like, why am I actually doing this? Is it giving me the fulfillment that I genuinely want out of life? Not just because I want this to be an identity or I really like the community I'm a part of. Like for me, will I be okay the way that I live my life? I don't know. It's just, I mean, you know, I'm going out there. No, no. And I love that. But that's so true. It's that we, there are, I, I can't even, I can't even form the words around it just because it, it drives me insane that we all, all of us, I, I, there can, if someone out there is saying that they they don't feel this way. They don't feel down about themselves. Um, at, at least one point in their life, they're lying. So we do all go through these things on a regular basis. But it is that coming back down and being like, you're crazy for thinking that you're not good enough. Like, think about all the things that you've done. And because we live in the instant gratification world, it's like, okay, 
whatever happened yesterday or six weeks ago, like that's not important anymore. It's like, am I, am I doing great things today? And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're not always going to be accomplishing great things. There's going to be periods of time where you, you're, you kind of ebb and flow. And, but to, but to be so negative, you'll be in that like lower portion of this ebb and flow. If you kind of throw in all that negative self-talk. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, so, um, I, the last thing I kind of want to touch upon is social media. So we have kind of talked a little bit about this self-worth and, you know, how it, how it feels. Um, but from a kind of like a historical perspective, uh, before there were things like social media, how do you think it's changed now that we have these big platforms where everything really is a business. Everything really is marketing. And and how does it change sports in general? Mm, that's super interesting. Give me like, hold, <laughs> give me like five seconds to think about that. Actually. Okay. So yeah. I have to go back to, okay. So sports, I'm going to, I'm going to be like formulating this answer as I'm talking. So bear with me here. That's okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let you do it. You can formulate whatever you need. Thanks. <laughs> so, right. Like sports comes out of this idea that we have leisure time. Right. Ultimately, around, I mean, here in the United States, especially, right? Like around the late 1800s, early 1900s, we start becoming more urbanized. People become specialized in their own careers and stuff, which leads to discretionary time and discretionary income in some ways. As such, we now have time to entertain ourselves. We need, we start wanting to do things and teams and sports come around, blah, 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 blah. So, still, that idea of spectacle and that idea of like glamorization and that idea of, Investing in something other than yourself has been around, I think, since the modern modern ideas of sport, especially here in the U.S. And so that, like, to me, it started there in every innovation since, especially when looked at or, or applied to the sport world, it has ultimately tried to, A, like, get the sport fan closer to it or ultimately uh, when it comes to the fitness industry, I, I feel like... I feel like what it does is it just like accelerates things. So at one point in time, I kind of conceptualize it as say like, okay, when we didn't even have maybe like a telephone or, or whatever it was, or they were, you know, very like hard to come by. Maybe you have people that are in a gym and they're lifting weights and like that, that like quote influencer, right. Is the, the big person at the gym. Right. And usually at that point in time, right. it's going to be a, a dude because women weren't, you know, try the same issues that we experienced with women today were still, happening back then, but just stronger. So, right. It's usually going to be a guy and that influencer was like had social capital, right? Like that influencers social capital or that legitimacy, basically like popularity, right. Is because of how they look most likely. That's how I, I hypothetically look at this there, how strong they are. Yo, that same shit like just happens today, <laughs> but now it happens on Instagram. And to me, it's almost like this matrix type of thing or it gets like more derivative, whereas it was in person before. Well, then we have TV. So it's like one degree of separation from that. And then we have social media. And now it's, now you have like on, you have on news channels, they're talking, the news is reporting on the reactions of social media posts. Like, what the fuck is yeah. real anymore? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what is real? And so I kind of see that, like, 
that like so just apply that like general concept to this idea of fitness yo what is like what is real who is real like thinking about like one of the findings that is coming from a lot of that those interviews like one of which you were part of like you said to me is now now granted like this isn't we haven't published this stuff yet we haven't really really dug into it but something that I'm pulling from this is this idea that as as say individuals who um like influencers like yourself or like others, like it seems as if people will, you know, start their journey, right? Start documenting themselves. And then as people start paying attention to them for whatever reason, granted, like a lot of people have like wonderful things to say and they help wonderful people. And that's absolutely awesome. And there's no knock on that here. However, it seems that, that personally, like to that individual, as as they start to be pulled a different way and like the, their quote market or their followers or whoever it is start to want these things from them. Often it seems as if those things are not always genuine. Like, like I don't want, I don't, I don't want to do what someone else wants me to do just, just period. Right. And so to me, I, I almost like see it as this model in my head as the farther away that the actual individual's desires get from their quote market, to me, that gap is perhaps the anxiety that those individuals experience. And so I think you can apply that both to those big time, you know, individuals. And again, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like talking badly about you or anyone. No. Like like those individuals that have that huge following, I think you can apply it to them. I could think you can apply it all the way down to someone who is just like on the internet and trying to like, oh, I would love to help people. What do they want? Well, no. How about you just like fucking live your life? So I'm like dropping up. Dude, all over the place, right. but, like, how about you just like no. live your life and not worry what someone else wants? Like that is literally like every part of it. Like even this idea of being, even the idea of like text messages, right. And feeling as if you have to respond immediately to someone instead of, Hey, like I'll respond when, like when I have time to respond to you because I'm busy. That's the mindset I have. I'm like, I'll respond when I, <laughs> when I feel like I let, can. Let them know I read it though. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but that's the thing is that that's what we have. We have those, like every single thing has that next touch of, reality where it's like you want to know if someone has read what you've said you want to know if they're thinking about what you've said if they're going to answer when they're going to answer but I really I I think I cut you off but I do think that everything that you're saying about influencers or just people out there spreading knowledge they do start to morph into more of what people are expecting of them and then because of that one person sees that the other person is doing well and they're being asked to do one thing so they start copying what that is and then it kind of comes becomes this big this big whole realm of no one really actually talking about things that they're genuinely passionate about or have their own opinions on it's just all this one thing that they think everybody wants to hear and then the trends follow suit yes like it, it, exactly like exactly i can't i can't i can't explain it better like, i'm not gonna like, <laughs> like mansplain you and try to say it another way <laughs> yeah yeah you better not mansplain me this is my podcast here okay but yeah so i mean i think that's really fascinating the way that you explain that but uh i can't wait to actually hear some of that research because that's what the interview that i did for you do you want to explain that a little bit about what that whole research sure. project was yeah so so it really came out of this project that a colleague of mine and i did his name is florian Hemi. he teaches at high point university in north carolina and so when he was at U Texas and when I was finishing 
leading up. And then at Trinity, we interviewed just fitness entrepreneurs in the central Texas area. And that was the first time that people in the sport management literature, fitness is not looked at much at all, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. And so, you know, when, especially when CrossFit came around and you see a lot of these like smaller niche gyms and studios and that type of stuff, like that was a new thing. People weren't paying attention to it. So boom, we tried to do a study of that and just put some stuff out there and say like, this is what's happening. Very exploratory, but this can inform the way that we look at entrepreneurship. And so boom, the next article, article was, all right, like by that time, you know, understandably or unfortunately, because the academic research process takes so long, often things are delayed, unfortunately. But by that time, it was like, hey, man, we got to look at, we got to look at the social media stuff. Like we have to. So that's, that's what we've been doing. We interviewed, um, I interviewed, like I I was the, I was the interviewer this on this go around and I interviewed over, I think. I think around 25 people in 21 interviews. And so then, you know, and like people, I can't obviously name these people are going to be anonymous unless obviously they say that they've been interviewed themselves. But, you know, a lot of people that like, you, like you see on the explore page, you know what I'm saying? Like, thankfully these people gave me their time, which was absolutely incredible because I did not pay them anything. So thank you. And so <laughs> it was just, just super interesting because it seems like so many of these people, it's an organic type of process. There's the, you know, and we, you know, we ask about like how they're, how they market themselves, what types of, how they brand themselves. How does that brand evolve? And it just seems to me from a personal standpoint, it is just so interesting that in this day and age that like people in some ways can commodify themselves and in, in like what that can what that can do to someone that how that affects people, especially like I just think about like seven and eight, nine, 10 year old kids, right, who already are looking at stuff and scrolling and have their page and you look like, like at 11 year old kids who have like pages. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, I don't know if kids is in my future, if that's something that I'm gonna have to fight, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not like, that's just, it's a scary thing. And, and granted, I'm sure that 33 years ago, someone that was 33 years old was thinking the same thing about, you know, like television and the internet, you know what I'm saying? Just the internet. You know, maybe I'm just already a crotchety old person. I mean, maybe that's kind of what academia (laughs) academia has done to me, but you know, it's just something that really, really concerns me because again, it, if I'm, if I'm here trying to help individuals show their worth and shine their light in this world, whoo, that is a, like, that's, that's a thick ass blanket from that, that, entire world that is really, really, I think, suffocating or potentially suffocating a lot of individuals. So it kind of, it kind of scares me in some ways. And man, I'm like making everything so negative, but the social media entrepreneurship is (laughs) super, super, super tight. Like, because all these people are out there, like generally the biggest finding that we found was that everyone out there wanted to help others. Right. So, I mean, like to end that thing on the positive note, like everyone was like, they get fulfilled, like on the most general sense, like they get fulfilled when they can help others, when they can, you know, and that came through in your interview, it came through in so many other people's interviews of, you know, when they can hear someone like hear it click with someone or when they get that testimonial or, you know, these prices need to be at this way so that I can, you know, so that I can reach more people, etc. Now, granted, maybe that selection bias because the people that agreed to be interviewed were those people that were willing to help others and give their time freely. So that's going to be a quote limitation of the study, but it's still it's, yeah, okay. my life. Like it was very, very that- cool to see. 
That's really interesting. Yeah, because I know that sometimes the people that yeah, it, that's so interesting that you said that because it's true. The people that were, you know, you reached out to them and you said, "Hey, I'm doing this study, this research study." Like it wasn't going to be published. Some it will be published eventually, but it's not like you're putting it on this big social media account and it, these people are getting lots of exposure, which is what you know social media kind of is all about. You you don't really get that. You don't really get that same the same type of people that are, that don't care about that type of thing. Uh, like I had, I had someone who said, you know, I reached out like someone with like crazy, crazy, crazy following. And I was like, Hey, I'd love to have an hour of your time. But well, you know, sent that, sent that email. That person said, yeah, that'll be a thousand dollars. I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> like you can't be serious. Like it, it really, this is, this is baffling to me. Like, but good on you for you being able to charge people a thousand dollars for an hour of your time, because you were doing something that like, like you figured something out and, and that has, I have not done that. So congratulations. But yeah, right. So if that's how you're going to make your money and stuff, but then again, it takes me back to thinking like what those people like that, they just have that, I guess they have that self worth and they think, you know, my time and my comments are of value. So I do, you know, I do expect this, but I do think that social media just exacerbates that because people think that they have this following and everybody has followings for different reasons, you know, whether they post half naked photos or they actually post informative content. But if you look at, you know, two different people with different types of, you know, imagery on their pages, you can kind of see the ones that like are targeted towards just getting those eyes, getting those eyeballs on their page. So it, you know, social media, it really does change things. It does change business. It changes how people run their companies or whatever the case is. But it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of those positives in there with social media and plenty of negatives. But, you know, as, as we try, we go with the times, we say, okay, well, if this is how the world's going to be, if it's going to be run mostly through social media, and this is how you're going to connect with people, you, you better jump on no, board or else you're going to say, no doubt. And that, that's something I worry about myself because I'm like, I'm like, man, I, I'm just, I, I will study it. I will look at it. And obviously, you know, like I've done a few podcasts with people and stuff too. And it's like, I could, I could like put this stuff on my stories. I could put this and I'm just like, man, that's just taking too much of my energy right now. And I just choose not to invest it in there. And maybe like in the long run, like that's something that I'll look back and be like, dude, you really missed out on that. But right now I just know, like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be in it. And I just know right now, like, it's just not giving me the fulfillment that I want. And in no way, shape or form, does that mean that it's wrong for me or for anyone else who chooses to do it differently? Because that's another like little thing that I'm like starting to formulate is like everyone's experience, maybe everyone's experience is different. And everyone's experience is valid. So that like is something else I'm really trying to like stick to in my in my own life right now. Yeah, but you can learn from it. And that's the thing is that even if it's not something that is for you right now, and it's but but you're helping different you're helping people in a different capacity, you're working physically, like with people, you know, on the on the daily when you're teaching and you're educating and you're guiding these young people through life, you're helping them to make those decisions, whether they are going to, you know, do what you do, take a, you know, walk in your footsteps or walk in your shoes and um, follow the route of teaching or educating in the capacity you do. And then there will be others that say, listen, this is where my passion is. I feel like I want to be on camera. I want to be, you know, 
preaching to the to the people. Um, but we need all those different people because if we were all just preaching on a little square on our phones, we would. Where would that exactly. take us? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I feel you. Yo, you you we, said it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this has been amazing. So I do. I just want to say thank you. And I do, I would love for you to kind of plug anything as we're talking about social media, but plug anything where people can find you because when you do share, when you choose to share, you do put out some great information. Um, and even if you want to, uh, you know, share some of the other podcasts that you've been a part of or any other research studies, um, that would be, I think my listeners would really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. So my IG is Brainy Braun, B-R-A-I-N-Y-B-R-A-W-N, Brainy Braun. Um, yeah. Like sometimes, you know, when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling, I don't know, like pretty spiritual, I'll put things on my stories and stuff. But, um, and then I've been on some other podcasts like Iron Culture uh, with Eric Helms and that crew. Um, and then, you know, I'll share stuff about my own research and it's, it's actually, it's kind of cool too, because there's been this person that has, um, DM'd me a few times or a few people that have asked, like, uh, is there any cool scholarship that I can look at, et cetera. And so I direct them there. And I don't know, like, that's really cool because to be honest, like, I, I feel like not many people look at that history stuff or even that, like it, as an academic, like we already feel like we're in an ivory tower, but to, to be able to help people, like I just, again, like. I want to be here now. I want to help people now. And so that, yeah, so that's, that's super duper cool. But man, I'll even like give you my email. I'll even put out my email, my Trinity email. It is uh, D Mores. So D M O R A I S at trinity.edu. And so, yeah, like I just want to help people. So if any of your listeners have questions or anything, like feel free and I'll try to do what I can. I just, I just like connecting and helping. So. Perfect. Robin, Thank you so much. Yeah, all that on here so I can do that and like I don't know. Just thanks a lot, Elle. This is really really fun and it means You're, a lot to me. It's been an absolute pre- pleasure, and this will not be the last time. So they'll they'll hear you again. We will talk again. So um, yeah, we've we have we could talk f- about any sort of topic, no matter what. And um, so r- really, thank you so much.